Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rosecast. Today, Dr. Sarah Rose sits down with Deborah Shoemate, a licensed professional counselor and bereavement counselor located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today, they discuss fear, what causes fear, and how can we overcome our fears. So stay tuned for today's episode of Rosecast. This is Dr. Sarah Rose with Rosecast. And today we're going to explore the fears within ourselves. And we're going to talk a lot about fear because it seems pretty rampant in our society today. Today, I'm fortunate enough to have as my guest, Deborah Shoemate. Deborah, tell us a little bit about you. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I am a bereavement counselor at Novant Hospice and I have a private practice that uh, focuses on traumatic loss. Well, we're so happy to have you today. Thank you. So um, to get the program started, tell us a little bit about fear. So fear is a very vital response to physical and emotional danger with strong roots in human evolution. If we didn't feel fear, we couldn't protect ourselves from legitimate threats, which in our ancestral world frequently resulted in life or death consequences. But in our modern world, we often fear situations where the stakes are much lower, but our body and brain are still treating the threat as lethal. So this can trigger an extreme and oftentimes unnecessary fight or flight or freeze response. When people today feel deadly or extreme danger, it can sometimes result in trauma These traumas can trigger a fear response within us that's hard to quell, even when we are no longer at risk. And in the short term, that can be diagnosed as acute stress disorder. Longer term, it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. So what you're saying, I guess, is that many diseases can result from fear. If fear sits long enough, I think that's a true statement. So we have a biological reaction and we have an emotional response to fear. And that uh, biochemical reaction is uh, like when we sweat, when our blood pressure uh, increases and our heart rate increases, all signs that we're in trouble. The emotional response is very different for every person. You've heard of adrenaline junkies. They love that adrenaline rush. rush. Yeah. Yeah. But other people don't. Makes them really uncomfortable. They don't like that fear that comes up, the feeling that comes with that fear as they look up at that boulder that they're supposed to climb. Yeah. I guess that's pretty scary for them. Very scary for some. Others look at it as a challenge. So you can respond really differently to what might be a fear stimulus. Well, it's very interesting how we, all of us, perceive perceive our fears differently. So what are some of the fears within ourselves? So I often see uh, fears of pain, just the pain of, of grief, the fear of change in our lives, changes such as financial stability or loss of financial stability, loss of status, loss of a sense of safety. Those are changes. 
And some of those things we can't control. So we fear things that we can't control. And we have fear of the unknown. What's my life going to look like down the road? And we, when we have been led on a path that is not of our choosing, we can't see very far down that road. And that's very scary because the road that we were on prior to our loss or prior to the lack of, of income that we had before, we knew what that road looked like. We could look down there quite a ways, but now our situation has changed. We can't see down this road very far, and that's really scary. So the familiar is always um, the familiar is always what we would love to have, but often life brings us many changes. That's right. The familiar brings comfort. The unknown brings discomfort. So how do we learn how to sit with that discomfort? So uh, how does fear affect us? Oh, we can feel it in our bodies. We can feel it in our bodies. We see it in our behavior that we draw inward. We find ourselves not sleeping well. Sometimes we can't eat. Uh, sometimes we can't leave home. It's that scary. Uh, so we can become agoraphobic with fear. And I guess some people, when they're very fearful, talk too fast. Uh, their voice is raised really high. Uh, some of those things are other symptoms of just really scary. Yeah, that fear is palpable. Can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if it stays long enough, it can keep us from growing and thriving. And it hinders us from moving forward in our lives and feeling competent and capable to manage whatever comes our way. So we get kind of stuck. Yeah, we can. We can. So let's talk about how can we overcome our fears? So I think I mentioned just a moment ago uh, that sitting with the discomfort, that comes from acknowledging that I am fearful in this moment to learn how to sit with that and be okay with it. A lot of our uh, process addictions come from our unwillingness to sit with the discomfort of whatever it is that we're feeling. So we drink, we gamble, we drug, there's sex, there's overeating, there's um, anything that throws us off balance. So we're trying to numb ourselves so we don't have to think about it. So we don't have to feel it. Yeah. We don't have to feel it, feel it because it's uncomfortable. Right. We don't like that discomfort. And in our society these days, we're all about quick fixes. So making me sit with my discomfort is not something I'm real on board with. But there's so much for us to learn. So one of the words I use a lot is to get curious about your discomfort. What is your fear trying to teach you about your situation, about others? That's that gut feeling that we have that comes up because our fear, remember, is here to protect us and keep us safe. So what is our gut and our fear trying to tell us about this situation? Is it real or am I imagining it? Because sometimes we do imagine it. So you're saying we can learn from our fear. Absolutely, we can. So we need to befriend it, embrace it, and 
see what we can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's important. It's a, such a vital part of who we are. We can't help that fight, flight, or freeze instinct that comes up. So if we get curious about it and say, wow, where did that just come from? What, what just happened that made that pop up here? Am I feeling attacked by someone? Am I just standing in the dark alone? And did, did I get some shivers? What's that about? And to get curious about it and then proceed to help ourselves with that. So we can get to the source of the problem right? if we start asking questions. Yeah, and hopefully alleviate ourselves of the fear. So the amygdala, part of the brain that fires up that fight, flight, or freeze, can calm down. And our prefrontal cortex can come back online and say, oh, you know what? That was just a stick. That's not a snake. You know, but you've already jumped 10 feet out of the way because that looked like a snake. That's our brain trying to save us. And we, we have to then think ourselves through it. But we can't think until we know we're safe. Right. So I guess our perception and how we look at things is really important. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. You can go through the world being incredibly fearful of so many things. And it can be paralyzing. When, in fact, if you took a look at it and could find the source of the fear, you could do something about it. Get curious about it, right? Yeah. Get curious about it. Be willing to look at it and say, hmm, what is this really? And are my thoughts rational about this? Whatever this might be, is it, is it rational? And that can tell us, a lot about ourselves. If we're being irrational, what's the source of that irrationality? What's that rooted in? And what can we learn about ourselves? So it sounds like it's kind of a process. Absolutely, it's a process. One of exploration, one of getting to know oneself, one of getting curious, and discovery. Well, it sounds like it's worth spending time with it because you could live a life without fears or know how to handle them if they come up. I certainly think so. So uh, tell us a little about mindfulness and how that might be helpful. Yeah, so mindfulness is one of the ways that we can help ourselves. So because we oftentimes feel p- paralyzed by our fear, the question is, how can I help myself in this moment? So the first thing I think always that we need to do is breathe. Just breathe. Remind ourselves not to hold our breath, but to breathe. Because that's our source, right? And when we breathe, and we breathe well. So you can practice 7-Eleven breathing or square breathing. Tell us about 7-Eleven breathing. Yeah, so 7-Eleven is... uh, It's a small little technique, but very, very useful where you breathe in for the count of seven and exhale to the count of 11. And if you do that several times, you will find that you will be in a different place than when you started your breathing exercise. Four, five times can oftentimes be enough just to say, okay, I'm here, I'm safe. 
I'm good. And then your thinking brain can engage with you. I think we often hold our breath in fear or breathe so shallowly, and we're not even aware of it. Absolutely. I had an instance in college where I actually had to scream. And when I did, I sounded so stupid. I remember thinking, you sound really stupid because it didn't come out like a Hollywood blood-curdling scream. It was shallow in in nature. I, I didn't have my lungs full to let out a big scream. It was this very short <laughs> kind of yeah. sound. And I surprised myself. Yeah. I think it's kind of like animals. They hold their breath mm -hmm. when they're afraid and stay really still. Mm -hmm. So it's that primal thing that we do. Absolutely. So mindfulness sounds like it would be a good way to work with the breath to help us to calm down our anxiety. That's right. So to get back to mindfulness, mindfulness is the practice of getting quiet and noticing. But here's the key. It's to notice without judgment. We are very judgmental of ourselves and of others, but when it comes to meditation or getting quiet, we're not very good at it initially. So the judgment can be quite great. And then we can turn away from it and say, no, that mindfulness thing is not for me. But if we are willing to get quiet and touch our breath and see how long we can stay with our breath until we have a thought that comes in. And when that thought comes in, instead of being judgmental about not being able to stay with our breath, notice it like it's on a moving sidewalk and it's just going by and there it goes. Or you can envision that thought like it's resting on a leaf in a stream and you're just going to watch that thought go right on down that, float right down that stream. No judgment. So whether it's a fearful thought that comes in or whether it's your grocery list that comes in, you just notice without judgment and then come back to your breathing. That gives us a sense that we can control our situation and we can certainly talk ourselves down from this place of anxiety or fear. Sounds like you just observe it, but you don't get emotionally involved with it. Yeah. That's a wonderful idea. It's kind of like standing on the side of the pool instead of jumping into the middle of the pool when everybody's there splashing around. Yeah, so you observe your thoughts instead of jump into the middle of all that chatter. That would that can... certainly make you feel more in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. So mindfulness, the other Exercise that I think is wonderful is to get yourself outside, to take your shoes off and put your feet in the grass and connect with Mother Earth, to feel the sun on your face, to feel the breeze, to look at the colors and the textures. You call in all of your senses. And when you call in your senses, you cannot be elsewhere. You have to be in the present moment. It's like standing on the, the shore at the beach. So you hear the waves, you see the color of the sky. Is the sky crystal clear blue? Are they big, puffy, billowy clouds? Can you hear any birds? Or are there no birds present? You get to decide all that. Um, as you, because we can, we can go to that place I just described all on our own. When we do it in person and practice that, bring in all those senses so that you 
sit in that moment of nature and let it fill you up in its in its entirety in that moment and you will find yourself in a different place than when you walked out there sounds like you become totally absorbed in the experience yes and i think what we can learn from that is that when we are anxious or fearful we can help ourselves instead of feeling helpless about it we can help ourselves and get ourselves to a different place. Because we also know that our feelings ebb and flow. We cannot sustain an intense emotion for a long period of time, even though it can feel like it's going to last forever. The reality is it never does. So if we can trust that about ourselves as human beings, sometimes we have to ride the roller coaster. And I always tell my clients, just strap in. Strap in just like you would with a roller coaster and be willing to ride the ride because the ride will eventually end or at least smooth out. That's a wonderful thought. So tell us about journaling. Is that helpful when you have lots of fears? Journaling is helpful all the time, whether you're fearful or not. What I love about journaling is the page becomes the benevolent holder of your truth in that moment. So I always encourage people to date and time their journal entries because as you move through your journal, there are times when we always go back and reflect on other times in our lives that have already passed. And when you do, it's this amazing thing. You open up to that page and there it is, how you felt in that moment in time. And the gift that we get that we don't expect is that oftentimes we realize I'm not there anymore. I'm in a different place. And if we're reading about a time in our life that was really painful, we realize that, wow, I have grown. I have moved forward. I'm not stuck in that moment. So what I like to do and how I start people with their journaling is to just stream of consciousness. So you start writing and it can sound like this. So Deb's given me this exercise to journal and I've never journaled before and I have no idea what I'm going to say, but she's told me I have to write for 10 minutes. And so here I am writing. Am I through with one minute yet? And I've never written before. I wrote in high school. And when I did, I wrote this story about, and all of a sudden your authentic voice starts to show up. It may not show up the first time you write. It might take you a couple of times. But there's something really wonderful, and you will know when your authentic voice shows up. And that's a beautiful thing, and we need to trust it and uh, let the journaling just hold your truth. So the journaling is just really free form, just flowing, any thoughts and ideas, whatever. You can. There are also journaling prompts, and if you Google that, journaling prompts, you'll find lists and lists. Or go on Pinterest, lists and lists of journaling prompts. So it doesn't just have to be a stream of consciousness, but I think that's a great exercise to start and put your timer on and on your phone. And I can promise you that timer is going to go off and you're going to be in the middle of your writing. How long do you usually set the timer for? I think 10 minutes is a good place to start. Yeah. 10 minutes sounds, uh, that sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. So any other ways, uh, that you can suggest that we can overcome our fears. I think a really wonderful way is to sit with animals. We get unconditional 
positive regard, unconditional love from our pets, whether that pet be a gerbil or a dog or a cat or a horse or a llama or a goldfish or a goldfish. That's right. We just receive something from them that we don't get from human beings. And, you know, when I talk specifically about someone's dog or cat, I said, you know, they just wiggle their way into our mm-hmm. a place in our hearts that nobody gets to. And that's a beautiful thing. And we know that just petting a dog can lower our heart rate and our blood pressure. It's why dogs and cats are used in nursing homes and pet therapy, therapy, absolutely, or as service dogs. When somebody is struggling perhaps with um, PTSD, that dog gets it and comes over and immediately helps that service member calm, get quiet, breathe more deeply. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm a big believer in and help letting our pets help us. Yeah, that unconditional love is just wonderful. Such a connection. Absolutely. So do you have any other ideas? These are excellent ideas of how to overcome our fears. Any other comments about it? You know, I think uh, if we'll allow ourselves to get away from the television and our phones and sit with a cup of tea and read a book that has some meaning whether it be a Bible or a book of quotes, um, book of poetry, just get present with things of substance. That can help us find meaning in our life. The other thing that I really love, it's another exercise, and that is to create a vision board, a vision of what you want your life to look like. So we don't spend our lives looking behind being afraid of or uh, fretting about what's happened, but we look forward to what it is we want our lives to look like. Vision boards are awesome. They can be done any number of ways, but I like using a piece of foam core and uh, like your child would use in a school project. And uh, there are, you again, you can search online for vision board questions And they help open our minds and allow us to think about how we want our life to be and what matters to us. Give us an example of two or three questions you might ask yourself. Uh, What are the top three things you value in your life? Another one is, uh, where do you see yourself in 20 years? Where would you like to be living in 20 years? Who do you see yourself living with in 20 years? So all of a sudden, as you sit and ponder these questions, you open up a side of your brain that we don't usually use. And then the fun part is you gather a bunch of magazines and you start going through and you're looking for words, phrases, and pictures that somehow speak to you. You don't overanalyze. You just like that phrase. It might be a word like vitality, or it might be leave your worries at the beach. Something that just jumps out at you and you go, yeah, I'm going to cut that out. So you cut and then you go about creating this collage on your board. You paste it and you let it sit. And then you don't have to present it to anyone, but this is actually a really fun project to do with others. And when everybody's finished with their vision board, 
you show it. And that's a really fun thing. And I've, my vision board has been sitting in my bathroom for seven years. And it's amazing when I look at it to see what has come to fruition. It's a beautiful thing. Fun, fun exercise. Well, it sounds like it would be because it's visual. And then you've worked with your feelings to answer your questions. So you... So you're working with all sorts of emotions. That's right. And you set your intention. Yeah. You put out there into the world, into the universe, what you want to create in your life. You set your intention. Right. That's great. Any other ideas? We've had some wonderful ideas from you, Deb. Any other ideas that you might have? You know, Sarah, I think the most important is to be still. And conversely, engage with others. We as human beings need to connect with other people. When we get fearful, we often we often withdraw. And when we withdraw, we become isolated. And when we become isolated, we become disconnected. And oftentimes, not just from others, but from ourselves. So we need other people in our lives. We need them to hear us. We need them to understand us. And we need the power of touch. We need to hold someone's hand. We need to give them a hug. Often just that alone is enough to affect change in how someone is feeling. You know, I I sit with a lot of people who grieve. And the power of just sitting and being still and letting someone cry, or just reaching over and holding their hand. Very, very powerful. There's a, a technique called the anchoring heart technique, where you take the palm of your hand and you place it on your own chest, right above where your heart sits. And you apply some pressure. You can do it with one hand or you can do it with two. And as you do that and you breathe, this anchors you. And it's like you love yourself, but you can also do this with someone else. You put your hand on their back, you place your hand on their upper chest here and apply this pressure. And it's a way to say, I am with you. I feel what you're feeling. I am not leaving. And it's a beautiful thing. In hospice, it's a wonderful thing to teach family members to do for the patient or for a social worker, or a volunteer to do with a patient. Because at the end of life, we can't do a whole lot. But we can be present. So they no longer need food. They no longer need water. But the power of touch is huge. So that anchoring heart technique is a beautiful, beautiful thing to practice on yourself and for those in need. That sounds lovely. We all need connection, that's for sure. So today we've talked about the fears within ourselves, how fear affects us, and some techniques to overcome our fears. So Deb, do you have a poem you'd like to end with? I do. I found this beautiful Native American reading that I would like to share. It's called Whisper. I've sat atop my boulders of woe, 
peering across a sun-bit desert landscape where clouds hung from its sky like cotton balls. Reflecting upon the years, they settled deep within the forsaken canyon carved within my chest. Here is my escape, my rest. I closed my eyes and let the ancient winds kiss my skin. Breathe, it said in a whisper, and leave your troubles here. Resign your fear, for these boulders eventually will crumble too, and the woes that you carry soon will be few. I did as my ancestors said, and left it all to a road, carrying away with me a heart light with hope. That's truly beautiful. That was copywritten by Andriana Escamilla. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to have you today. We've all learned so much from you. Should someone want to get in touch with you, could you please tell us how we could reach you? They can reach me at 704-384-3515 or at my email, which is D-A-Shumate, and that's spelled S-H-U-M-A-T-E at novanthealth.org. You've been listening to Rosecast, and I'm Dr. Sarah Rose. Please join us next time. Dr. Sarah Rose has her Ph.D. in psychology. In her role as a counselor, Dr. Rose's objective is supporting and empowering individuals to live healthier, happier lives. She is a licensed professional counselor and national board certified counselor who currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she operates in private practice. Join us next time as Dr. Rose dives into more exciting topics in the field of wellness and mental health. Next time on Rosecast.